And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Week in Horror After Dark session. Tonight, we have with us the amazingly talented crew behind the crowdfunded upcoming slasher film, The Red River Expressway Killer, Chance Gibbs, Trey Murphy, Jason Vandegriff, and Eric Oberto. I want to make sure I get that last name right. Um, I appreciate you guys all coming out. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a, We just had an amazing show. Um, you guys were fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, we loved it. Thank you. Very Absolutely. Cool. So uh, first and foremost, like uh, the, the big news is you guys have just smashed your goal on Indiegogo for the Red River Killer Express, uh, the Red River Expressway Killer. Um, mouthful of the title, but from the description is amazing. Now, what what attracts us much, what, why, why we're looking forward to this is this is a Texas-based podcast. We're very familiar with the areas that you guys are shooting in up and down 35. Um, what inspired this one? To, I mean, obviously, shooting up there along that road is going to be it's going to provide it's going to be its own challenges, own set of challenges. But it's amazing country up there. So, where did this idea come from, Jason? Okay, so uh, <laughs> basically, I was uh, sitting at lunch one day. I uh, think he's talking to you. <laughs> well, I was there. I was like, I didn't know how the order was. Going. Anyway, so uh, basically, I had this poster idea while I was at lunch one day because I guess. Chance had asked me, said, hey, so what's the next movie going to be? You know, kind of thing. We just did Trey's, you know, directorial debut. I was like, okay. Uh, and I came up with the idea of this, uh, just an idea of a 70s style poster. And I was like, you know, it'd be cool. State of Texas. And I was like, you ever realize the state of Oklahoma looks like a little butcher knife just sitting on top of that? And I was like, hmm. And I was like, oh, well, Red River's there. Oh, that can be the blood. We can have that. And I was like, oh, what about 35? 35 just goes right up north and down south. And I came up with that line in the trailer of the you know uh the uh that bridge up the up the road from us uh uh runs over the red i mean the red river uh what is it the that bridge, the bridge up the road from us is a gateway to hell yeah yeah that's it <laughs> a gateway to hell roll over the red river below but the real river in the killer's mind runs north to south and it's filled with blood and that's 35. sorry Tra Tra chance had to memorize the shit out of that because <laughs> he delivered the line it's like you think I, I wrote it i think i remember but anyway and i was like oh fuck, that's really cool and I literally did like a little shitty like version. I'm not a graphic designer. That's like the one thing I'm not. And I sent it up to them. And then Trey was like, I'll knock out a cool poster. And he knocked out our poster and it looked fucking sweet. And that was like one of those, uh, you know, like Hollywood moments where it's like, we designed the poster before we come up with the idea for the movie. You know, that's that's what it is. It's like <laughs> it's like die hard in space, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that's that's kind of how it was. It's like, yeah, now I got to write a movie about this. And that's where it came from. And I threw a bunch of challenges at Jason because Jason is a writer type, a director type. He's a creator. He has a story in his head. He he knows what he wants. And I'm like, oh, by the way, we're going to throw in some perks where people might can buy a role or get a death scene or be on a missing poster. So loosely write your script and be ready to add whatever we have to to get this thing made. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm a super detail oriented person who's like, uh, OK. And then like that has been a nice challenge because I'm used to be very particular <laughs> about things. But it's been nice to have a free form flow. And I've come up with some cool characters because of that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that I normally wouldn't have come up with. Awesome. Awesome. And you guys are hoping to shoot uh, 2022, right? Oh, yes. Earlier in the year, spring 2022. Now that you've smashed the uh, the original, now the, you guys destroyed the original goal that you we had did. set on Indiegogo, right? That Which was two, it was 
10,000. Yeah, we, in the first day we hit, we had a hundred and I think 10 donations in the first day. And within the first week we had hit our $10,000 goal. Nice. Um, so we stretched it to 15, then we hit 15 and we're going to go ahead and stretch it to 20. Might as well keep going. I mean, yeah. it, it strike it while it's hot and people, people are really responsive. I mean, as demented as it is, people love serial killers. True crime is hot right now. And I mean, we've got people that just want to be a part of it. A member of our team that's not here, Misha, her dad is going to be killed in the film. Um, we've got people buying posters and um, it's weird how people, they love it. They, they want to be involved, but they don't know how. So the perks kind of tell them how they can be involved in the film. Some people are so afraid of acting, but they want some experience there. So mm -hmm. putting them on a poster, killing them, having them on as a producer, onset experience, all the stuff we're offering kind of gives anyone who loves the genre a way to partake in their own way well and anybody that likes acting as well you know it's it's hard to find yourself in a film and if you've got the money to put forward to this film you can be in the film in a feature film and i mean we're not saying it's going to be your big break but we're not saying that well and jason's <laughs> writing the roles around we've had i think we sold five or six of the be in the film perks and jason is he's creating the roles for the actors, I mean, they're they're going to be a character. They're they're having a story, a part in the film. They're not just gonna, not always gonna be some person on the street that asks for a dollar and they get one shot and that's it. I mean, he's because of the people that we've had purchase the roles, they generally are actors. Jason's he's tailoring. So far, he's tailored some characters for these people. Well, if you think about it too, it's kind of like, uh, I think it could be perceived the wrong way, but if you really think about it, you know, most people who are aspiring actors never get a, a fucking chance at anything really. And they just kind of give it up. Well, here's a chance to cut to the front of the line for not a lot of money and, and not having to audition. And then we're going to custom write and coach you through a part that was basically meant for you. I mean, that shit's awesome. I would have given anything for that when I started out. Definitely. Absolutely. That would have been super, super helpful. <laughs> I remember the remember those early days when I when I was fresh out of film right. school. It's like, uh <laughs> Well, and I have people say, you know, when they criticize our fundraising, you know, it's pay to play. Well, I've gotten on a plane and flown to California for an audition I knew I wasn't gonna get. I've <laughs> driven to Oklahoma for shit I knew I wasn't gonna get. I've gone to Louisiana, New Orleans, Florida, New York. I mean I spent a thousand dollars in plane tickets to go audition for one thing and never hear anything. I've spent more in my career not getting roles than I have ever spent getting them <laughs> or, <laughs> or even earned. <laughs> I remember so, doing that. I remember having to do that, doing a drive down to Houston twice in two days um, from, from Dallas uh, for a, for a shot at a, for a shot. At, it was a war movie. And unfortunately it was, it, it never got made. But I got a call back and I had to go back the very next day. So yep. it was like, you know, that the drive down to Houston is brutal. And to do it twice back to back is just, yeah. But hey, yeah, we, we do what we need to do. Um, one thing that's, that's really good uh, is that the team that you've cultivated here, and we I know not everybody is here, but we do have uh, for you guys. The, not only is that you kind of came together to, to do this, but you guys have been working together long enough. You've assembled this team and have been through uh, this experience before. There's a trust that's built there. How did the four of you kind of coalesce and come together? Because it doesn't happen often. Um, I guess I can, I'll start with who I've known the longest. That's Trey. Um, Trey and I have a mutual friend and we made 
we made a short film and it was Trey's original idea. He wrote it, he directed it. It was called Leave Only Footprints. It was about two urban explorers that meet up with an urban exploring legend. And they've got this big YouTube following and they go in this abandoned house and they're gonna interview this urban exploring legend. And but the, they, they tag where they're at. So if they went somewhere like in the Grand Canyon, they would spray paint their logo on a wall or on a rock. And my character was Declan and it pisses him off. And it's, that's where the title came from when Trey created it was leave only footprints, take only photos, leave only footprints. So, cause nature taking back something that man made and then men, and then people going in there and destroying it with graffiti. And my character was uh, Declan Lamont in that. So Trey cast me in that and that's where our friendship started. And then Chance killed everyone in it too. Spoiler alert. So yeah, he got finally killed people. <laughs> and I uh, had, I, that film was good, and I was pushing to get that made into a feature from ITN. ITN said, we love the film. We, we love the acting. We just don't know if this is the film that we can make into a feature, because ITN is not really big on found footage. And I understand that because found footage is overdone, and if you don't do it right, it sucks. Right. Now, they said, we want to work with you. This isn't the one. Um, so Trey and I stayed friends bouncing around ideas. Someone tagged me in a photo from Wichita Falls that a movie was casting called Her Look. I reached out to Jason, said, hey, I'm from the Wichita Falls area. I live in Denton now. Um, talked to him, sent him an audition video. He cast me in that. And it was his second film, a short film. Um, and then after we finished Her Look, that got a really good response in festivals. He cast me in a series predicament, which is that that thing has been been nominated for 60 awards and I think it's won 45, right, Jason? Yeah, Something. it's uh we've had a very good festival run with that. It's been very successful so far. It has. Yeah. And so I brought in Tom Young um, to play opposite me and we shot that in one day and it was awesome. So I I was lucky because I knew Trey was really talented. I knew Jason was. I've worked with a lot of people. I just trusted the, I trust a lot of people that aren't on this or in this team, but I knew I wanted to keep them on the path. And um, so then I went out for drinks one night with my wife and her friends. She met a friend that was in from Detroit, where she's from. And Eric was there hang seeing one of her co-workers. And Trey and I were working on a short film that we were going to call Birthright in Amityville Horror. And we needed someone who looked like a demon. Well, the only actor in town that I could think of wasn't tall enough because Misha was going to play opposite them, and Misha's almost six foot tall. But I saw Eric, and I thought, Eric has the look we need for Osmodius. So I talked to him. He had talked about being in the music. Um, and now we kind of kept up on Facebook. And then Trey and I and Misha started to make our short film. We were going to fly in Eileen Dietz from The Exorcist. She couldn't come because of COVID. Our short film got tabled. Then I got mad about COVID, so I reached out to ITN directly, and I said, hey, we want to make a horror film based on the Amityville Horror will you help us? And then um, Nicole Holland, who's their vice president of sales and Stuart Allison, they said, yep, can you make it for this much money? They sent the money. Then I assembled this team. Trey directed, Trey wrote that script in no time. Jason shot it and edited it. Eric wrote the original song and acted in it and then um, did the music video for it and then kind of helped with all the editing in the end. So it all kind of happened because of COVID 
is when we all came together. But I knew everyone individually before. But we made our the Amityville cult movie that comes out in Walmart in November. So <laughs> <laughs> we made we did it. Awesome, fantastic. And Misha's not here. She's in our group. I've known her from the stage. Um, when I played Richard the Third, she played Queen Margaret opposite me, and we became friends during that. Excellent, awesome. So lucky uh, Kismet putting together an excellent team of people that you know and people that you trust. It's difficult. I got lucky myself. You have the work that I've done with Eugene, the work that I've done with Johnny as well. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Lightning, you know, you don't capture it in a bottle uh, too, uh, too often. But when we have it, we definitely don't want to let it go. But it's also always about finding like-minded people in this industry, people those you know, that just you kind of click with. And so we, we, as all of our listeners always like to know, this particular genre doesn't lend itself to everybody. And it doesn't often lend itself to amazing, brilliant careers that you'll see up there on the big screen. Typically, if we have careers in this, we're, we're typically unknown. People like the movies where it is, but nobody deep dives us. You got to have a real love, especially for this genre, to dive into it as a filmmaker to make it your profession. Um, so each one of you, let's go around it. Um, we'll start with Trey. What got you into specifically the horror genre? Um, and your kind of love for it. What kicked that off for you? Oh, man. So uh, back in 1987, right, I'm seven years old, and Aliens hits VHS. My dad saw it in theaters. He was a big fan of the original Alien. And we go over to a neighbor's house, and we, we start watching Aliens. I'm only seven. I haven't seen anything really very intense at all. And I just remember being mesmerized the entire time and pretty much just vomiting when Bishop gets ripped in half at the end. But at the same time, it's like, this is fucking cool, man. This is this is intense. And ever since then, it was all about like, OK, well, what's next? What can I watch next? What can I what can I seek out? And it was just building uh, a, a watch resume, if you will, you know, just a library of horror and uh finding other people that enjoyed it as well so it, it all stems from aliens but then there's also um a few i say a few years ago about seven eight years ago i started getting into abandoned photography you know where people would go out doing urban exploring and a lot of the places that they would shoot looked like the type of places you would see in horror films so i thought fuck man i want to do that so i bought a nice camera i went out i started shooting and while I'm shooting this stuff, I'm doing portrait photography as well of like my wife and a few other people. And it caught the eyes of uh, Chance and my mutual friend, Josh. And he said, well, hey, let's bring you on board so you can do some behind the scenes photography on some of our dramas and comedies that we have. And that's how I got to know people behind the scenes. And I figured, OK, well, they can do this. I can see how this is done. I love horror. I love abandoned photography. Why don't I combine those skills, try to, you know, work with this team of people. And that's where Leave Only Footprints came from. And we just, as Chance said, we, we went from there. So it, it all stems from aliens. And then there was also, my, my son was born six years ago. And it was one of those things where I want to show him that even in your mid thirties, getting ready to get into your forties, with the family and a mortgage and all this kind of stuff, you can still go out and do things. You're not limited just because you have mass amounts of responsibility, you know, don't stop chasing your dreams. So try to instill that into him early by killing people on screen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The Jason, what kicked it off for you? Uh, 
one of the first uh, movies I remember watching because uh, I had an awesome older brother that was five years older than me and let me watch a lot of shit that I wasn't supposed to. And uh, that was Predator, which I don't care what anybody fucking says. It's a horror movie. Predator is a slasher movie with a sci-fi premise. And fucking, like, just the way that Materian shoots it, it's just, oh, my God. But it's just, like, the gore, the everything. I mean, motherfuckers' spinal columns are getting ripped out with their skull. I had that toy when I was a kid because, remember, back in the day, you could buy – like horror, there were horror toys. I remember there was a, I had the Terminator toys and I had the Predator ones. And he actually had like the toys, like spinal column and skull. And I was like nine or 10. I was like, that was the coolest shit ever. And yeah, that's what kind of like got me interested in it. And, you know, when I first started being a, trying to be a filmmaker, I'd always kind of wanted to in high school. And then I tried it as like, 2005 or 2006 i was like writing actually it's probably earlier that it's 2002 when i was writing scripts and stuff and i did more horror i did some a little bit everything i like writing all genres and uh like i said around that time i'd spent like 15 grand i worked in the oil field for a little bit and i was gonna like i'm gonna really try to be in a filmmaker this time it's gonna work i moved to dallas i was there i was a lot of the music scene the metal scene and i was doing music videos and everything and i was like okay you know and i was like i'm gonna go try to be a filmmaker and I bought a Panasonic AG DVX 100B camera for like 3,500 bucks. And I spent like seven grand on a quad core Mac, uh, back in the day, which was the shit it had a terabyte hard drive, which at the time was like fucking beyond futuristic <laughs> and way too, too damn expensive. But anyway, I spent all that and then consumer HD comes out and makes all my shit obsolete instantly. Cause that was, that, that was the time when it was like only fucking George Lucas is shooting HD, you know, <laughs> with hundred thousand dollars, Sony cameras. And then I was like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? I have this full frame, you know, Panasonic AG. And it's just like not fucking HD whatsoever. And I was like, I just gave up. I quit uh, being a filmmaker for like 10 years. And I was just like, it's just not even worth it. I spent all this money and I have nothing to show for it. And I hadn't even made a film yet. It was just music videos and some other things. And then uh, I saw Soderbergh. I like Soderbergh stuff. And he uh, made High Flying Bird and Unsane with uh claire foy and he made those with an iphone and i was like holy shit uh he can make that with a fucking iphone what am i doing as like i literally went and upgraded my phone that day through at&t got an eight uh xs max which is what wherever my phone is got it right here got this upgraded i made my first film which you see behind me the doll with this little lady right here who was custom built by a lady (laughs) in tennessee who did an amazing job and I literally got that and I made a movie by myself. Uh, the only, there was only one other person in it. He was in it a minute before the doll kills him. Then it's me the rest of the time. I shot it, edited it, directed it, d- did everything myself. And I was super proud of that. And then nice. I was like, um, let me go. I, literally the first festival I looked up was the San Antonio horrific film festival. Cause when I first started you, I was like, horror is probably the only thing I can do where I can have one person in it and kind of do it like that. Anyway, and uh, I sent it to that festival, and surprisingly, I got in, and I was like, what the hell? You know, I was, I was just so happy to be there, and that's whenever I realized, because I've already been to Texas Frightmare a few times, but that's when I truly realized, like, the horror community is so much better, and horror film festivals are so much better than normal film festivals, because everybody's so fucking into it. It's like uh, the camaraderie, and I went there, and I won Best Director at the first festival that I entered with a fucking iPhone movie <laughs> against movies with, like, I literally made that movie for $300. It was a $300 budget. $150 of that was for that doll. And the talent's other, always expensive. 
yeah, other movies, tens of thousands of dollars were spent on these. You know, they weren't like super high budget or anything, but that's when the bug hit me. And I was like, I'm fucking doing this. And like literally the next film, my bo- my wife bought me uh, a Black Magic, and uh, I started going from there, dude. And uh, that's what I shoot now with. We did her look. That's where I met Chance. And then that was like a weird grief drama. Like that was my Richard Linklater art house film. And then <laughs> I went and made a psychological horror film with a, a serious predicament that's equal parts fight club, fear and loathing, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, yeah, like horror, I just keep coming back to horror. No matter how much I want to do all these big other grandiose ideas, horror is just a great thing. And like I said, the horror community is just supportive. Uh, so oh, supportive. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're amazing, and they, their willingness to embrace you know newcomers to it is just fantastic. I mean, they've embraced us, and we were we didn't even expect that. It was kind of the outpouring of support. There's such an amazing fan base, and of course, the filmmakers that are dedicated to it, absolutely adorable. Yeah. So, Eric, what about you? Well, I think it all started when I was about five, um, 1980. So you'd said that you thought you were the oldest person on this call uh, or in the show earlier. I think it's me. Um, I was a little kid and I couldn't quite say the name, but I kept telling my mom, I want to watch The Shine. I want to watch The Shine. And The Shining, you know, became this big favorite film for me. And then Children of the Corn. And I started really just like I watched Creep Show after that and just kept really, really getting into it and thought that I wanted to be involved in, in horror films. And then when I was about 16, um, no, when I was about 14, I met this guy who was like into industrial music and he introduced me to like uh, Knights of Rev, Nine Inch Nails, Thrill Kill Cult, all that kind of stuff. And it kind of felt like horror, but you know, music, and it wasn't like anything I'd heard before. So I learned how to play synthesizers from this guy and then we started a band. And so the whole goth industrial scene sort of flows with the horror scene as well. It's like generally a lot of your horror fans love industrial and goth music and vice versa and so forth. So I started this band Tungsten Coil in Detroit and in 95, we moved to Austin and uh, it just took off immediately. It was like the sort of Cinderella story played one show and then it took off. And so I never quite got back to where I wanted to get to in horror films, but I was having such a good time doing industrial music that I was always around people who were into horror films and, and so forth. And then you sort of fast forward and I got out of the music world for a little while and got into the financial industry, started a company, sold the company. And then I went uh, at 40, I went uh, half deaf, which we talked about a little bit on the show and uh, sudden sensory neural hearing loss. And so that destroyed everything because I was a play by ear musician and I just thought I was done period. And I made two attempts, two strong attempts to learn to overcome the handicap and I just couldn't do it. And then you fast forward to what Chance had said, uh, we, we had met and I was still still wanting to you know do music. And then he mentioned he did horror films and right away I'm like, I like horror films. I like music, <laughs> you know? And we started talking, I said, if you ever need any music for your horror films, let me know. And what I didn't tell him at the time was, I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to do it. You know, I was actually terrified to do it because you know, everything that I was, I, I couldn't do, you know? but. For some reason, I said, yeah, I, let me know. I'd love to do some music. So he calls me up and uh, it's like six months later. I thought he had, you know, we kind of kept in touch, but not not a lot. And so I'm like, fuck it. He's not going to reach out. We're cool. No big deal. And so he calls me up and he says, uh, hey, Eric, yeah, I know we talked about doing uh, some music, you know, for uh, one of my films, but you also act too, right? And I was like, 
Absolutely. Of course I do. <laughs> and, and <he's> like, <laughs> don't take this the wrong way, but uh, you're, you're, you're the perfect demon. I, I don't want to offend you or anything, but you make a perfect demon. And I said, well, that makes sense. I am a demon. And then it just kind of went from there. And so and then it, we just clicked immediately, all of us. And so now being able to head in that direction, which started off, I was so interested at five years old to have all this going on now and then to be back uh, creating art and then more art, because now, you know, Chance and I directed that music video together, the one I just sent you. Uh, I'm into the editing part of it. You know, I got involved in the post-production on Amityville. Uh, I've got ideas, scripts I'm working on. Chance and I are working on something. Jason and I have talked about a lot of stuff. Trey and I have talked. I mean, we're all just, it's crazy. It's like I, I never in a million years thought that this would happen. When I went into the financial industry, I did really well there. I fucking hated my life, you know, stand a skyscraper looking out over a city in this beautiful office wearing thousand dollar suits and i'm like i hate my life so i just quit i sold my company and just stopped and just sort of regrouped and then chance showed up and here we are so it's pretty awesome oh yeah the the, uh, the story about uh you dealing with your your hearing loss and overcoming that so you could uh so you could compose again um uh very familiar to, uh there was a movie that came out uh 2019 not a horror film but called uh, the sound of metal uh-huh great yep. movie very yeah familiar. very and familiar I, it was hard to love that film. Um, it kind of gave me anxiety. Uh, it's kind of a nightmare that I live all the time uh, because th my right ear, uh, not only is it deaf, but it makes this sort of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all fucking year. And so like when I saw that, I started getting anxiety about what happened to me because I was literally sitting there one day and then it just happened and then everything went upside down from there on but that movie totally uh, captures what it feels like you know and uh it's a nightmare so they, they did a great job capturing a nightmare speaking of horror wow dang super intense and of course um well and congratulations to you on overcoming that that's a massive uh achievement there mm -hmm. is you know having to re basically relearn how you do your career that's brutal so kudos to you man for there's one last caveat if i could mm -hmm. so i was diagnosed with synesthesia when i was about 13 years old and if you're not familiar with that it's where i can i can see uh sound and color and shape so when i would make music i was literally just the second sight behind my eyes i would just paint pictures and that's how i, I don't understand music theory still really don't um so i was able to write in all the music for the bands i was in and all that kind of stuff through synesthesia and then you turn the uh, uh handicap and going deaf and all the crazy sounds it's like a, a a nightmare picture all the time that i have to sort out and use technology to overcome so it's been weird intense intense and uh, of course chance and uh how did you get into this oh well i grew up on a ranch out in west texas um and at that time we had the antenna so there was you could either go rent movies or watch i mean i know that the shows i remember growing up were dallas um bonanza any of those reruns at my grandmother's all the john wayne movies i got into horror my uncle he lived at my grandparents house and then an aunt of mine on my mom's side they both loved horror so i would go to my grandmother's and i would watch Leprechaun and Rumpelstiltskin and Halloween and all those 80s horror movies with my with my uncle. And then I'd go home and be scared shitless. And my parents would have to deal with their four-year-old that doesn't want to sleep in his own room because Rumpelstiltskin's going to come get him. Um, 
but I don't know why they kept letting me go up there, but that instilled the love of horror. And then, um, always wanted to be an actor, make movies. Wasn't sure how I was going to make it work growing up where I did. I went to college, got a degree in communications. I did the news for a while. Um, then I moved out here to DFW and started treading the water. Um, I realized early on that horror had a humongous underground supportive community, which fortunately I was a part of because no other genre. I mean, I tell everyone, unless you're making anime horror or porn, amateur isn't going anywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're lucky to make, to love horror films because if we had this much love for drama or comedy, I think we would, some part of us would give up because we wouldn't even know where to go. I mean, you don't no comedies make it unless you have someone big in them and horror kind of the more amateur and obscure and weird it can be and independent, the more intrigue I think it can have. Um, so I realized I waited, I'm 34. Um, my agent's Linda McAllister talent. I've had her since I was 23. And I realized that getting an agent wasn't going to get me anywhere. I mean, she works for me and she'll get me auditions and parts, but I also had realized I had to hustle myself. You know, Hollywood will never call you. You have to make it happen. Um, so that's what I started doing. And then unfortunately I've built this team. Um, and they're all great. Nice. I got my at I Hollywood video call me once. <laughs> Said I had Hollywood video call me once. Hey. They wanted to wanted me to return the movie that I had. <clears throat> yeah, well, Trey I worked Blockbuster at Blockbuster more, though. I, me I remember those fucking days. Yeah, Trey, Trey was the asshole probably that called me for Blockbuster. <laughs> like, like you, you have a four day rental fucking fee. No, you dude, dude, I was in I was in the corporate offices by then. I was oh, yeah. moved from the Blockbuster in store into the corporate offices buying stuff for stores so yeah that didn't wasn't you, me that was someone else didn't you get to <laughs> test out the movie toys for blockbuster before they oh yeah them? yeah i was um uh i helped buy all the the licensed product up there so like the reason you would see neca figures in blockbuster stores toward the end when they were going downhill was because i pushed for that <laughs> so. wait what did you say did you say naked figures NECA, NECA oh. and ECA, they do, or they used to do a lot of horror figures. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I was making yeah. sure I, I didn't hear you wrong, and I did hear you wrong. <laughs> I mean, the only naked figures that were in store, I mean, I would do that every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually but, in the stock room. <laughs> no, no, you do it out front. Just to, for the hell of it. I mean, if you're going to do it, you do it right. That's right. You don't want to hide. Don't were you like, roll. were you like fucking Randy in South Park, just through the empty blockbuster, going "Shady boy," just naked? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for calling. This is Blockbuster. We want to remind you that your rentals of Drunken Hussies Three, uh, Backdoor Patrol Five, and Mona Lisa's Smile are overdue. <laughs> Dodgeball. Like, yeah. Like fucking Randall and Clerks. <laughs> I worked at Blockbuster too. Uh, Hollywood Wayne Verdugo in uh, Burbank. That was a interesting Blockbuster to work at because all sorts of famous people would come in there from musicians to uh, whatever. But Marilyn Manson came in there one time with uh, Twiggy Ramirez and... Uh, Twiggy is high as a fucking kite. He's almost climbing the shelves, running around. And Trey, you remember? There's like the mirrors all the way in oh, the corners yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so that's, that's where you can like guy. look down on people. Yeah, well, I could see Twiggy like drooling, all all fucked up. And Marilyn Manson's talking to me, and he's like, "What should I watch?" And I'm like, 
Twiggy. Fallen's a really good movie. And so we talked about Fallen. He got all excited about it, went to watch Fallen. And it was the weirdest moment when he handed me his credit card. And it was a Marilyn Manson credit card with his weird face on it and everything. I was like, oh, it's fucking strange. And then he came back the next day. He's like, that was a fucking good movie, dude. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. Like, thanks. It's like, thanks, Brian. He was so familiar. I was like, all right, man. You're welcome. Derek, Derek, real quick, working in that store with a lot of celebrities coming in, I mean, I know the regularity of people returning videos that weren't actually the videos they were supposed to return was pretty often. And there was a lot of like personal videos, not only home videos, but people like doing their own homemade porn. Did you ever get a celebrity that returned something that they shouldn't have? How do you think the Paris Hilton tape got out? Uh, 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 she, she released it. No, no, no. There was, there was. Oh crap! It wasn't me, but it happened uh, to someone else who was. It was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Wasn't him. What? Je- Jennifer Love Hewitt returned some sort of pornography. I think. God, I can't remember what it was. It was so long ago, but it was Jennifer Love Hewitt. And then I was, I was, my buddy who called her, he did it on speakerphone to let her know what he had. And it was like the funniest moment. He's like, we have your, you know, anal soldiers or whatever the hell it was called. I don't remember what it was. Hardly wait to spew. Huh? <laughs> what was that? Can't hardly wait to spew. Something yeah. like that. And I, and so would, would you like to come down and get your movie? And, and she said, no, you can keep it. And that was it. <laughs> Jennifer That's Love hilarious. Ooh, true story. That's amazing. <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt let Blockbuster keep her porn. Jennifer, let them keep, what was it? Uh, oh, I forgot. The, like, we had some really good titles that would come in, too. Like, Anal Intruder 8 starring Tex Gusher. It's <laughs> a real one, guys. We're not questioning you. He owes the Criterion Collection version of it. Yeah. <laughs> the commentary is just transcendent, man. See what I'm saying? Horror, anime, and porn. I learned more about myself than the movie. He's like Greg Nicotero's home videos from that shoot were just insane. <laughs> that's, that's a nice Evil Dead too. Uh, a callback. <laughs> oh, oh man! So uh, the the future is looking bright for you guys. So we, uh, I is know it uh, so well, bright that you have to wear shades. So bright, yeah, so bright you got to wear shades. <laughs> and uh, we like to like to kind of uh, give you uh, kind of run through and ask everybody as your as your careers to to continue to take off. You know, as you get further along, is there anything in particular that you would really like to do? Uh, whether it's in the horror genre, maybe not, or any particular film you'd like to make, or person, say somebody you'd like to work with, because uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, our generation is getting older, and a lot of the greats that we grew up with are, are moving, are you know, passing on, um, which just breaks my heart every day. But uh, I hope I, there's still some people there. I hope I get to work with one day, and some film, films that I get to make. Um, what about you guys? Let's start with uh, Chance. Who? I, I, there's a lot of people I want to work with. Um... I really want to play, I know we're here we are on serial killers, but I really want to play someone like Ted Bundy, someone who existed. Um, I like creating characters too, but I think it would be a challenge to play someone who, who was real. Um, Cause if you don't nail it, you'll get ripped apart. So the opportunity to really act, I think could come there. Um, and then as far as a movie I would like to make, I just want to be able to make good horror movies. I mean, move on to other things eventually, maybe. But right now, I'm I'm content where we're at. I love horror; it's my favorite genre. I 
I, I I'm trying to think of an actor I'd like to work with. Um, there's so many of them. I can't, I don't know if I could really name one, but pick one, cast me next to one. We'll make it work. <laughs> I think you would, I think you and trade make a good Leopold and Loeb. I, I can work. Uh, who? Leopold and Loeb. Come just, on, man. Just throwing, just throwing it out there. My, I, I, I have kind of a kind of a crazy knowledge. My background, my educational background is in forensic psychology. Yeah. So nice. it kind of lends itself also lends itself to the horror genre a little bit. But yeah. um, but yeah, the Leopold Loeb case I've always found to be fascinating. I think you yeah. and Trey could pull just, off a Leopold and Loeb. JL wow. just wanted to go ghost hunting and I wanted to legitimize it. <laughs> just throwing it out there. You make what? that movie and we'll play it, and we can shoot it in Chicago. <laughs> nice. Where they were at. I think um was well, Chicago? Didn't they kill the 14-year-old boy in Chicago? And yeah, um stuffed him in the uh, drain pipe. Um yeah. specifically you took, it, you took it way back to killers. That is a long time ago. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. The beginning of sensationalized news stories about killers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh two uh they were students at University of Chicago and uh killed him in 1924. Oh fuck yeah. I'm looking at this. Oh, Trey, you could definitely be Leopold. <laughs> He's got boyish looks. <laughs> you could definitely be Leopold. Um, let me look at Loeb. Oh, Chan, hell yes. Got so him right there. Cast it. Leopold and Loeb, right here. Oh, right here. I want to make is Leopold and Loeb, and I want to play opposite Trey Murphy. Yeah, so just oh. say, Chance wants a 40-page treatment as soon as you can get it. <laughs> I don't give these people much time. I'm like, can I have it tomorrow? <laughs> awesome. It'll be in the mail. What about you, Trey? Oh man, um, so I've I've got so many ideas going through my head, but um, I'm actually starting. I, I've started shooting a short film right now. That if I could, when it's done, extend it into a feature, I'd love to do it. But it's um, essentially about a a father whose son has died at a very young age, and he doesn't have a family anymore, and he's contemplating suicide, and all of a sudden his son just sort of appears out of these bushes in his backyard while he's about to to blow his brains out and uh he has a meaningful day with his son one more meaningful day and then he disappears and it turns into something very very dramatic and then it goes to sci-fi and i'm trying to extend it beyond that i'm shooting it right now actually at that my house with my son so i would love to do that into a feature i've got a punk rock story that i'd love to do into a feature that i've told jason about yeah very um, very cool uh there there are tons of them i've got horror ideas that i've talked with chance about one of them that's a local legend here in denton that um we'll expand upon a little bit later and uh as far as people working with, I love the people I work with now, but man, if I could work with Philip Baker Hall on yes. something, nice. that would be incredible. I mean, just watching him in anything by Paul Thomas Anderson is it's transcendent, especially Sydney or, or Hard Eight, you know, watching him in that and just the way he walks around a casino. It's like I want to capture that kind of cool with him in it, you know. I think yeah. that would be incredible that's that's a dream actor for me to work with philip baker hall all right up there in denton get in there is up there in denton is that uh is that jason lee jason lee he does live up here yep yeah. yeah he does live up here um nice guy we me and trey actually went to he was at a he had a, he has a photography book and me and trey went to his book signing yeah it was a book signing at the camera shop over off the square yeah yeah that was cool. Nice. Very cool. And what about you, Jason? 
Uh, like dream, pro like I literally write every genre. Probably the thing that I write the most besides like uh, scary shit is fantasy shit. Like uh, I've always loved Tolkien and uh, George R. R. Martin and everything. It's just uh, I created kind of my own little fantasy universe there. And I already have all that where possible novels and everything. But one thing I would love to do is I fucking love uh, just big medieval epics like Two dreams I have. One is to remake John Borman's Excalibur and actually make it a legit three-hour epic, rated R epic that's like true to the original, but just improve on it as best as I can with modern times. And another one is I have like a pretty epic medieval story. Uh, that's uh, I guess I don't want to give anything away, but but anyway, uh, if I can make that on like a hundred and fifty million dollar budget, that'd be like the dream. And like you're just gonna, have you're gonna remake. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> <laughs> no, this one would be definitely like crusades kind of level shit, but like the anti-thesis of religion kind of thing. Like you know, Muslims and Christians kind of come together. That kind of the uh, what's the word Jason I'm looking for? Them? No, no, <laughs> but just kind of coming come together, but just kind of being like just burned out on the whole religious thing and just kind of going off and doing good in the world kind of thing and like righting wrongs and everything. But anyway, uh, but it would be super cool like that. But just I was hugely influenced by I'm a huge Ridley Scott fan. I love his director's cut and the best director's cut he ever had was Kingdom of Heaven, especially the Roadshow edition. It's just like a master fucking piece tray. And I've talked extensively about it. And like just to be able to make a film like that one day, nice. that's like the dream. That's what I want to get to. Like literally trebuchets going off right next to each other and shit like that's like instant like boing you know like I'd be uh, you could kill me then I'd be die happy. Damn fucking fantastic, Lo lofty goals, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Eric, how about you? You know, I think for me, um, you know, there's two sides. There's music and film. I think on the music side, um, the fact that I'm writing is exciting again. So I've got about 14 songs uh, that I'm working on right now that are probably about 90 percent done. Um, and I want to, instead of, I'm not going to try to start a band at this point in time. So I, I kind of want to really focus on placing those songs in films. Um, the way I write the style I write is like just made for horror. It's, it's, I could do probably sci-fi as well. I probably write anything, but I'd like to write for, for horror films and I'd like to write for sci-fi stuff, um, and go from there. But on the other side, you know, I'm, uh, really kind of got the bug for acting, really want to develop, uh, that skill as far as I can. Uh, and then getting on the other side of the camera and directing, you know, Chance and I had a blast directing that music video that I sent you. And uh, I've got so many ideas and I started writing scripts and I've always kind of had a lot of ideas. I just hadn't really taken the time to start writing them down and, and putting the work in, you know, it's just focused on other shit. So super excited about doing that. And I think at the current time, um, Disease, the TV show I was talking about that I'm working on, that Chance was working on with me and that I hope to involve the whole group in, um, it's a real crazy winner of an idea. It could probably go five seasons long and it's just this be turning into this epic thing. I mean, that would be my biggest, like, wow, if I can get that done, that would be badass. And then someone I'd want to work with, um, uh, I'd like to get some music placed in, start off with in, in David Lynch's next project, whatever the nice. fuck it is. And I'd love to work with the guy while there's still time. Um, it's lofty, but you know, Anything's fucking possible if you go for it. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear David Lynch, I, I mean, I, I love Lynch's work. Um, here's the Family Guy appearance. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, here, here's a present. 
Ah, it's a severed thumb. It's I the most lynchiest thing ever. <laughs> Did you leave out a plate of warm coffee for me? <laughs> That's fucking great. Love it. Yeah, that, that you know, was like the epic, most epic Lynchian moment. <laughs> you know, Eric, Eric talking to you, I'm also reminded of um, Joseph Bashara. Are you familiar with him? Mm-mm. Joseph Bashar is also a composer, uh, and very kind, kind of in the same vein as yours, uh, as your as uh, your genre. But it also bridged the gap into acting. Um, in Blumhouse films, he was in. He was the composer for The Conjuring. Oh wow! And okay. you know, did his work on that one. And then they were looking for a guy who could play a demon. And uh, yeah, okay. And Lee Wannell was like, "Well, Joseph, you got a great look about you. Let's let's give it a shot." And he's the lipstick demon in oh, wow. The Conjuring. And he's also Bathsheba in the following. So he's been in almost every Conjuring film and in Annabelle and all. So he's literally he bridged the gap in the uh, the Conjuring universe by being the composer for all the movies and jumping over and playing a particular demon in all of them as well. So, so it's, yeah, it's kind of parallel there. It's kind of it's sure. an interesting story how he jumped into it. So absolutely. What, what's his name one more time? Joseph Bishara, B I S H A R A. Yeah. So really cool dude. Highly recommend listening to the full soundtrack of The Conjuring. It's oh, really yeah. fucking good. <laughs> really Will fucking do good. for sure. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, this was absolutely amazing. Thank you all so much for joining us. It is about that time. Um, we wish you all the absolute best in hitting your uh, remaining goals for the Red River Expressway Killer. And I can't wait to see that film when it comes out. Um and of course, uh, we hope to keep in touch with you. Obviously, uh, anything that comes up, definitely let us know about. It. Our listeners always want to know about it. And uh, all the best, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you for having us, and thank you to all of your listeners for tuning in and uh, listening to us talk for three hours. We appreciate it. And <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you for any just even if you don't can't you can't or or don't feel inclined to buy a perk or it's not the right time just sharing our link on Facebook again with the podcast is it's worth its weight in gold. So we, we appreciate any and all support that we can get and we will return it. Tag us on Facebook, tag us on Instagram. We support everyone who we that we can because we have to build the whole community. We can't just build ourselves. Definitely. Great. Definitely. Yes, thanks so much. Absolutely. Our yeah. pleasure. Awesome. Thank you guys again. All right. Thank you to our listeners again. This has been Week in Horror After Dark. We've been with the talented people behind the Red River Expressway Killer, the upcoming crowdfunded slasher film that you can find on Indiegogo. The link will be in the description, is in the description in the episode that we shared before this. So thank you all so much for listening. I'm JL. With me is Johnny O. Yeah, buddy. And we will see you all next, next month. And as always, stay scared.